This is Caminantes, where you are invited behind the curtain of the 2021 Caminos Festival and into the creative minds of this year's Caminantes. Think of this podcast as the theater lobby, where people can mingle and talk about the incredible art they're creating. So what's your piece definitely not about? This whole topic for me, I feel like every time I learn something more, I know way less. At the end of the day, we're artists, like, and so we are creative people and that we can absolutely come up with creative solutions to pretty much whatever we were, we've been, we were faced with. Is Karl Marx hot? In this episode, you will hear two conversations. First, we'll hear from the creator of Taura and the director of Party People. Let's get started. I'm Sophie Budinho. I am uh, the artistic director at Enamorada Dance Collective, which is a group I founded in, uh, in 2014 to explore flamenco outside of uh, its traditional context, both kind of like in the Latinx diaspora and like through the lens of queer art as well. So Tauda is a short dance film that we've prepared for Caminos for this festival. It's a work that I've created with myself dancing, uh, flamenco and two other contemporary dancers. Yeah, we had people like compose music for it and and it has, it has to do a lot of like reimagining flamenco from the perspective of the bull instead of the matador and kind of looking through that lens or as an invitation really to explore flamenco outside of some of the more obvious narratives of like of the bullfight. Hi, I'm Liz or Elizabeth, and I am a co-creator and co-founder of Jord and Liz with my um, co-creator, Jord Campbell, Jord Camp. And in the pandemic, we've been like friends and collaborators for um, a couple of years, but in the pandemic, we came together to make this collective to um, start this or to create this form of art in, in the park. It's a public performance that mixes like drag and pop art and contemporary dance and we are partnered with the cohort collective um, and so they are an open sourced coding toolkit for art artists and activists um, so they uh, have an app that allows us to play synchronized tracks through whoever has this app on their ipods um, so it creates like a really intimate moment um, in public um, also through the lens of queer expression and taking up space. Um, and Party People is the third iteration of um, this form. So yeah, and hearing about the description for your show, I was I found a lot of connections between like nature and, and elements. I know with flamenco, it's um, like rooted in a lot of like uh, tradition and culture. And so I was curious if if you did, or if you could speak about a little bit, how you see like nature as a collaborator. Like I know you're mm -hmm. saying that you're looking through the eyes of um, the bull in this. And so maybe you could talk a little bit how, yeah, that's like a, if, if that's a, if a collaborator for you. 100%. I love this question because I love <laughs> talking about this part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. So when I, I study and, and train uh, more traditional forms of flamenco in, in Seville, in the, in the south of Spain, and I was just recently there in 2020, the beginning of 2020, before the whole world changed. <laughs> and um, I took a few days off from my training to go to the campo, to go to like uh, the, the ranch, I guess, um, where they raise bulls to be prepared for the bullfight. Basically, bullfighting in Spain is is um, a huge cultural tradition. It's also very controversial and banned in parts of the country. 
people protest as a both sides and other people see it as part of the cultural fabric of the country. And it's very controversial. Okay. So like particular instance, I went to the campo and I didn't know what I was going to be seeing, obviously. Okay. So because no, nothing is like advertised as what it is or whatever, but I was going for a tour of one of these bull ranches. There was something that I felt as soon as I stepped out of the car, um, when your boots kind of hit the, that orange, yellow sand rock material that I felt. And I knew in my body and remembered in my body, all of my ancestors that have worked on farms for so many generations and, and beyond that, um, most especially, I thought a lot about my abuelo, my grandfather who worked with bulls during a part of his childhood in Mexico and or his adolescence too, I guess. Anyway, so I visited with the animals for a really long time. These campos are like bull spas. Okay. It's like fields and fields and fields for, for miles. And they're separated so that they don't breed and whatever. They have the most like peaceful and natural existence possible so that when they uh, are brought into the ring, their reaction is very theatrical, right? Like it's very, because they're so horrified or so, like this is to the extent that they don't see, I mean, I say caregiver, but that's the, one, the head rancher. Right. They never see him on two feet, only on a horseback, right? So they've never... When they see this matador, they're like, what is this creature? What is this? Oh, whoa. It's so like, this is, you have to understand that this whole like topic for me, I feel like every time I learn something more, I know way less. <laughs> like every time I learn, but it's kind of like flamenco too, is a super complicated art form. For sure. But just to think about the like psychology of that bull of being raised as a fighter, but like, no, but not being raised to fight at all. Like that's. <laughs> Whereas the matadors go to school from childhood, right? So, and I remember saying something to the guy that was guiding me through. I was like, oh yeah, the matadors, they go to, cause I was telling him a little bit about my project very carefully, of course, so that I wouldn't get like iced out of the conversation. Cause sure. And he, yeah, he said that the training of the bull is in their genetics. So in, in figuring out, or at least that's what they, that's their belief, right? The training of the bull is, is, the, is, the, is the breeding of them being um, the strongest, the biggest, uh, the bravest. So like in this test day that I was there, for example, like they were, first of all, I didn't know the, the mother cows or mother bulls had horns. Oh. <laughs> that's cool. They do. I was like, oh, it's a male bull. And he was like, no, 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 that's a female. And then, um, yeah, they were testing them in like mini matador fights uh, to see what their response was, to see if they were aggressive and if so, they were going to interbreeding. And if not, they would be sent down the road. It was a huge experience, like mm -hmm. being on the physical land Definitely. with them, like with the animals, even though it's been explained to me a hundred different ways, this juxtaposition of what they consider love and respect for the animal versus like what I consider love and respect for, for the animal and nature. But it's very Spanish, this concept of uh, conquering, yeah, mastering the animal, besting death, conquering death, right? Versus like some of the like more pre-Columbian indigenous philosophies of like finding harmony, like death is like my whole idea of what I'm trying to propose with the, the work is that death is not something like to, to be conquered. In fact, it's like the only thing that we cannot conquer is, is mm -hmm. that. And there's a beauty in the, in this cycle of, of life and death, right? And nature is something to find harmony with.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you ask mm. if like nature is a partner in, in this creative process and it is 100%. Yeah. Like that that trip was maybe like the biggest part of it in the last couple of years where I was like physically in the nature of it, mm. but- We've obviously carried that, the like energy and spirit with you, so. Mm -hmm. Actually, I had a couple of questions. I mean, at first, my question was like, what were you listening to in these iPods together? Yeah, so it's a mix of um, pop music. Um, we had a selection from um, Billie Eilish and Judy Garland and Lady Gaga and Lord and um, a bunch of other inspirations um and then it was also mixed in with kind of like meditations or monologues where it was either my voice or uh, jord's voice um inviting the audience to either participate in a gesture or maybe reflect on something connect a little bit more with the audience or jord or the like space itself like the park yeah that's so cool what did you write these monologues Yes, yeah, me and Jared ended up um, writing them. We had a bunch of jam sessions throughout um, the fall and winter. Honestly, it was like the one thing that was like keeping me going was these like little mini writing sessions of uh, we planned like the biggest, most ridiculous show that was like so important, like, like it defied physics a lot of the times and like the ideas that we had. But it, I think because we just needed to dream and imagine it. And so it was really fun to like have those monologues stay the same when a lot of our practical ideas like didn't end up making it. But like, I think the like, largeness and the like, um, how much fun we were having, like that stayed within um all of the like spirit of the monologues. Is this going to be a live show? Yes. Yes. This is live. Yes. Oh, my yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've been like just so lucky to be um, uh, working with uh, 3D people in it, like live in a park. Um, yeah. We. That is so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Your reaction. Oh, show, everybody. Uh, that reaction just made me so emotional oh my goodness I know I just I actually like I feel it I had mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> that's, that's really amazing. exciting yeah Congratulations. Well, be, thank you yeah because we developed this form in the pandemic mm -hmm. we have COVID protocols like built into it so awesome. originally we had it um or not even like in 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 this part because we we've done it in September 2020 and then again in July or June 2021 and July 2021, and so for all of those, um, the audience stands in a six feet diameter circle and nobody enters their circle during it. Mm -hmm. um, so and it was outside and with masks and so it was um, always COVID safe. And I think wow. I don't know. I think personally we have to just start working in the way that we have before, and so I think we need to embrace it. Here, yeah. We've been working on Tauda since 2017, which is wild. And mm -hmm. we were we were always slated to for the theater last year. And then I guess we pivoted, took some time, and yeah, we've made it into a dance film. But everybody on the team is so in love with the project. And me personally, I feel like this is going to be something that I still work on for a really long time. Right. Because um, it's so big mm -hmm. um, for me. And so we're all, yeah, going to work on a stage production of it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find that it was, uh, it, it could translate easily to film or, or was that jump? It's a whole other thing, but we were very lucky. We work with like an incredible team of people. So 
uh, in, in adding people to the team, right? So like Roya Del Sol is this amazing um, cinematographer that came in and shot it. I don't even like feel comfortable picking out an Instagram filter, let alone like, so I did not film this piece. I did Got not it. edit it. I did not like, you know, I have, you know, helped make decisions um, during post-production and, and talked a little bit like creatively in terms of like lighting and set and whatever as it was happening. But this has very much been like learning as, as, as we went. I think I was surprised to connect with it as much as I did, um, being kind of like tech hesitant and wondering like how my practice is going to exist in this time. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I have so much respect for like any artists who have had to jump medium in this time. I have the utmost respect and um, cause yeah, I barely know how to use iMovie. And so <laughs> I can't, I mean, I want, I'm, I think I want to learn. I'm still yeah. trying to figure out like what I want mm -hmm. from this, you know, cause Tower Tower will have been like the last chapter closed of like my pre pandemic little work folder mm -hmm. and what is next. I don't know, but whatever it'll be, it'll be like stage, like the, the first little, like seed of something yeah um, that's so exciting yeah we're considering all of these things like COVID protocols and, and mm -hmm. dancing in parks and yeah. all of these amazing possibilities that people are finding like yourselves are finding very creative solutions to you know? yeah that's uh, what I, we reminded ourselves over and over and over again is that like at the end of the day we're artists like and so we are creative people and that we can absolutely come up with creative solutions to pretty much whatever we were we've been we were faced with Absolutely. Yeah. We were going to film this outside at one point too, but the, there's some accessibility stuff with flamenco. Yes. Like I have, I don't know if you're familiar with the dance form, but like my shoes have nails on the bottom of it, kind of like yeah. tap shoe. So like me dancing in the grass is just like, nah. yeah, no, it's sonically <laughs> different. Sonically very different. So, sure. Sonically yeah. different. Yeah. My heels would like sink in probably. <laughs> that was Sophie Gudino and Liz Staples. Next, we'll hear from Bruce Gibbons Fell and Brefni Caribou. I am Brefni Caribou. Hi. Uh, my piece is called Savage is a Word in the English Dictionary. Uh, my name is Bruce George Malcolm Gibbons Fell. I'm Chilean. Um, I have a piece at Caminos called a, a Redacted Communist Manifesto for Children. What sparked the idea of writing this piece? It started off as a, as a poem. I had these a collection of stories that I would just tell from my from my life um and the first one was always about working at the Sobeys up the street from where I currently live and that was my high school job and uh and always getting the question of of what are you that was how that that all those interactions always began so I wrote like a little poem about it in like 2012 and then this incarnation savage is a word in the English dictionary somebody said that to me as like a justification for using the word, a non-Indigenous person was just like, well, it's there, it exists, why can't I? And I was like, uh, fuck you, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna use that as a title. Cause I act like there's, there's, there's something in that that really ground my gears. Um, and uh, and uh, and didn't and didn't leave me. So this is this is the why this iteration is is called that. So my first question for Brefni is, what's your favorite word in the English dictionary, and why? Obviously, I thought about this, and I have like I have several. Um, 
first of all, the word moist evokes so many things for so many people. Everyone feels a way about the word moist. Um, and I love that. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful word. Uh, and I also love the word explicit. It's fun to say. And often I find like I'm trying to be, you know, however successful or not uh, explicit in the things that I, in this, and I, that I say or in my work. Like I really desperately want to be understood in the English language. Yeah. Um, when did you first encounter the Communist Manifesto and how old were you? Were you a child? I was definitely not a child. Um, my country went through a dictatorship from 1973 to 1990. Uh, my dad is a vice admiral, so you can imagine um, the whole military implicancias of all this. So I didn't really hear much about communism, uh, I mean, in a good way, till I was a bit older and we had to like study it in school. I must have started getting into it when I was in high school because they sent me to another high school, which is for armed forces kids, like for Air Force brats, which was super horrible. So I guess it was a way of kind of like escaping and being like, whoa, okay, this is real. I'm living in a weird bubble. Can't wait. We have a communist party in Chile, which is not very common in the world. Um, breath me. So what's your piece definitely not about? It's definitely not about leaving the past behind you. I was like, my, my, pa my past is present. And it's very like, I am, I am wait, uh, constantly looking at and waiting through it, trying to go, get towards some kind of future. Because savage is still a word in the English language. Still is. And the Spanish one as well. What is it in Spanish? Salvaje. Salvaje. And it's used in the same kind of way, but it also means awesome in my parents' generation. How is the movie? My parent, my dad would say salvaje. And I was like, Stop using that word, Dad. Uh, I'd say like more like that's deadly, you know. Yeah. Like that would be that would be it. Like, ooh, that's harsh. That was that was really you know you really gave it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is Karl Marx hot? I love me a man with a beard. I love me a man with canas. How do you say canas? Or Brusa translator. Great. Uh, great. Uh, great hair. Great hair. Also, very right when people say like. Karl Marx never worked a day in his life. And I'm like, that's super hot. But he actually did. He like came up with like the most amazing ideas. I mean, even Team Vogue is talking about Marxism right now. How hot can you get? So yeah, super sexy. So breath me, something happened to you before the show and you and an understudy would step in for you. Who would be the worst person to understudy? The savage is a word in English dictionary. Anyone... Um, you know, bless their hearts, but anyone who grew up without a TV in their home just isn't going to get it. Turning your, uh, this piece into an audio experience, what did you miss? Is there anything that hits different in a good way? One of the things I miss about being on stage has to do with accessibility. Because if you think about the audience, um, this play is surtitled because it's in English and in Spanish. So when people are speaking in English, <clears throat> we'd have the surtitles. And when they're speaking Spanish, we switch the surtitles. So there was a whole convention of when these characters are speaking English and Spanish, because one of them doesn't. So we're I'm missing out a lot on that. But the cool thing about this is that we are going to make a trailer. And the play actually begins like the 1950s trailer. As in, four children in the Latin American countryside 
whatever. So <clears throat> we're actually expanding on that idea and putting scenes in and stuff. So it's also like a really good sample. Focusing my piece on audio has like really uh, excited me and has like opened up a, a, a part of creating this piece where I actually feel like I have a fuller vision of what I want it to be. When I thought about this or was, I was trying to like write a play, um, I felt very stuck. I had no images, I had no ideas, I had no um, uh, concept of how these things, uh, these stories thematically tied to one another. I was just like, I have this like bundle of, of stories, but no real way to um, uh, weave them together. Uh, so turning this into an audio experience, I realized how much rhythm and how much sound is uh is so important to the things that i that i that i write and that i speak um so it's been it's been it's been so much fun and it's really kind of like it expanded my uh my ability to create something that i feel is uh fuller and whole and that was brefni caribou and bruce gibbons fell all of these artists are bringing their brand new works, which are still in development, to the Caminos Multi-Arts Festival. This year, Caminos is presenting the art of 32 different groups, both live and online, from October 12th through the 24th. Go to caminos.ca on how to see the shows and to support these artists. We are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Igan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Duggarondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabeg Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. At Aluna, we remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre, with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness with Sue Ballant. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca, follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa. <laughs>